I'm Emma G. Rose. I'm Shell Shearer. We're indie authors. And this is Indie Book Talk. Hello and welcome back to Indie Book Talk. Today we have something a little different for you. Normally, we have authors, editors, people who are in the writing side of the whole book publishing bit. Today, we have Paul Natkin, who is, yes, wrote some things, but really is the photographer behind The Moment of Truth, which is a collection of never before seen, rarely seen, I'm not sure, photography. Uh, some, have, of- some have been seen, some not. Okay, some some new, some seen before photography of some people you might recognize, like Prince and Madonna and you know. Beastie Boys. So, welcome to the show, Paul. Welcome. Thank you. I have so many questions, I hardly know where to start here. Okay, so first of all, you've clearly been doing this for a while, because I imagine you don't just wake up one morning and go, okay, well, now I'm going to go photograph Mick Jagger. Like, there's got to be a lead time to that. How did you get into this business? And more importantly, how did you get to the level of photographing people that seem like distant aliens to us? Well, my mother and father were both photographers. And my father got a job one year in the middle 70s, early 70s, actually, as the team photographer of the Chicago Bulls basketball team. And he came home the first day and he told me this story about how, number one, free parking. Number two, get into the game for free. Number three, free hot meal in the press box. And number four, best seats in the house. So that's why I became a photographer. (laughs) And I I said, well, you got to take me next time you go to a game. And I had never held a camera in my hand in my life. And he brought me over there, got in free, had the free meal, went down to the court. And we're sitting right at courtside of a professional basketball game. And it was pretty darn cool. That is cool. So I did that for about four years. And I shot football, basketball, tennis, various sports. And one day I was shooting a tennis match up at uh, Northwestern University, which is in Evanston, Illinois. And the match was over. And I went back to my car and put my stuff in the trunk and turned on the engine. And there was a the radio was on and there was a, there was an ad for a concert that was taking place. I couldn't make this up if I tried. It was taking place about eight feet away from where I was sitting at the moment. (laughs) I was parked right next to the building that the concert was taking place in. And it was a woman that I had just barely heard of that was just getting started by the name of Bonnie Raitt. So I figured I had been able to kind of BS my way into almost any sporting event in the city of Chicago. How hard can it be to get into a concert? (laughs) So I shut off the engine and I got my stuff out of the trunk and I walked up to the backstage door and I had a whole lie planned about how I was working for this new magazine called Rolling Stone Magazine. And (laughs) I opened the door and before I could say anything, the guard at the door said, oh, you're with the press. Go in and do anything you want. Just don't get on stage. And if it was ever that easy again, it would be a miracle. But it was, that's how I got my start. Wow. That's wild. So did you transition at that point from doing sports to doing musician photography, performance photography? Or did was it an overlap? There was an overlap. I kept on doing sports. 
I couldn't figure out a way to make money doing either. I really love music and I love going to concerts and the whole getting in free part was always a good thing. So I just started meeting people in the music business who said, oh yeah, come and shoot our concert. And I did it. It was costing me a lot of money and I had no way of making that money back. I just did it because I love music. So they didn't pay you at all? No, no. I well, just except did. for like the seats and stuff. Not, well, they gave me free tickets, you know, and access. And I did that for about a year. And I kept on thinking, what am I going to do with all these pictures? And then one day, I was at a concert, and I met a guy who was the photo editor, art director for a magazine called Cream Magazine, C-R-E-E-M, which at that point, and still to this day, is the greatest music magazine ever published in America. And they were based in Detroit, or actually in Birmingham, Michigan. So I immediately like hit him up like, hey, how do I get my pictures in your magazine? And he told me the process, and I followed his rules. And two months later, I had a picture in Cream Magazine. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm, I'm a millionaire now. I'm, I'm rich. Full-page color picture in a national <laughs> magazine. And then about a week later, I got the check. And it was for $35. Oh. So I had to come up with a different plan. And that plan involved going to a convenience store around the corner from my house and buying one each of every magazine on the newsstand. And I brought them all home, piled them up in my living room, and I just started with the top one and looked up who the photo editor was, who the art director was, and started calling people. And it was just... The only word I could use to describe it is perseverance. And my goal was to have 10 different magazines that would each use a couple of pictures every month. So that's $70 a magazine times 10 is $700. And I could quit my day job. Mm -hmm. And it kind of worked. Pretty soon I had all these magazines and everything from teen magazines. Like I, I used to shoot pictures regularly for 16 magazine and teen beat, which were big in those days, rock magazines. There were real magazines too, like Newsweek and time and people like that (laughs) and Rolling Stone, which I occasionally got pictures in. And as I was doing this, I slowly started meeting publicists that either work for record companies or work directly for bands. And They liked my work and they liked the fact that I was getting pictures in magazines. So they would call me up and say, Hey, you know, we got so-and-so coming to town. Do you want a photo pass? And I said, sure, no problem. No matter who it was. It didn't matter if I liked the music or not, or, you know, nothing to do with the quality of the music. If somebody was on stage playing music, I wanted to be there taking pictures. Even if they were a comedian, If somebody was on stage performing, I want to be taking pictures. And I built up to what is now today a database of, this is hard to even believe, but 4,500 names of either bands or individual musicians or celebrities that I have photographed. Some only once, some 50 times. Okay. My turn, Emma. Yeah, go. (laughs) Go. So quick question, what type of camera do you use? 
I use a Nikon. Nikon. Yeah, well, I'm a Nikon always, person. I've always, <laughs> always used Nikon from the very beginning, but I will say this. I'm being nice to you. Most, most of the time when people ask me what I shoot with, I always say a camera. Right. And, and <laughs> I'm because, just an Nikon person. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter what kind of camera you use. Uh, oh, as no. long as it's a professional camera, you'll get, it's all about access. It's all about mm-hmm. access and figuring out the moment to shoot. Mm-hmm. So with shooting the bands, are you on the stage the entire time or do you have like a quick second to get up there, grab a shot and leave the, the stage? Well, that's a really good question. Number one, I'm almost never on stage. That's a really, that's not a good angle. I'm in front of the stage. There's usually a barricade in front of the stage, and I'm in the barricade. In the beginning, I would shoot the entire show, start to finish. And in the 80s, things started changing, and people started restricting how much people could photograph. And it's usually the standard rule in the business today is you can only shoot the first three songs. Really? Okay. And that's something that I'm not interested in. So I have reached a point in my life where I could say to them, well, you know, that's okay for everybody else. But for me, if I can't shoot the whole show, I'd rather just stay home. And most of the time they say, okay, stay home. But <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> no, no. I, I, when I started telling people I wanted to shoot the whole show, I lost about 95% of my business. Wow. But so part- after three... After three songs, do they send you home or are you allowed to stay as long as you don't take photos? They walk you out into the parking lot and say, you can go home now. Wow. Okay. Uh, or they will <laughs> say, go and put your cameras in the car and then you can come back in and we'll give you a ticket. But I mean, I don't know what's happening that's so great that nobody could shoot the fourth song. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all about control and it's about... Uh, Musicians get really PO'd if photographers make a lot of money off of them. They think we're making a lot of money off of them. (laughs) When in effect, I'm making very little, if anything, these days from going out and shooting. Uh, And they also, they think that they're not going to look good after three songs. And in most cases, they're wrong because that's what rock and roll is. Yeah, it's sweaty and hair flying and, you know, all the stuff that they do when the when the three songs are up. That's wild. Next time I go to a concert, I'm going to pay attention to like, do they change their demeanor after the first three songs? Do they like go wild? There was a time when I was shooting the first three songs and I would they would be leading us up the aisle during the fourth song. And I'd look back and I'd see that all the lights were turned on when they weren't during the first three songs. <laughs> and my paranoid fantasy is that they're doing it because they don't want me to get good pictures, but <laughs> I got good pictures anyway. You're too good for them. So, okay. Tell me then why, why this book? Why now? Because you've been shooting a long time. Why did you decide to put out this book now? Well, Everybody kept on telling me I should do a book. <laughs> Everywhere I went, people were saying, oh, man, you should do a book. And I never really thought about it, except I'm now 70 years old, and this is my legacy. Yeah. And the book encapsulates 
a lot of territory. I mean, there's there's the Rolling Stones, but there's also an African singer whose name I can't even pronounce. And there's gospel singers, and there's blues, jazz, country, and it, it, it shows what I what I'm capable of, or what I was, you know, was capable of when I was doing it every day. So this isn't a book that's like hey, you like rock stars, and so you want pictures of them. This is really a full look at your career. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Okay. It's divided into chapters. Uh, my favorite picture in the whole book is a picture of Peter, Paul, and Mary. Do you have it? You can just hold it up for a second. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but then we'd have to pay royalties. <laughs> but it, it, it's a real challenge to go to a concert where there are three singers and get them all looking good in the same picture. And I always, I always was a fan of Peter, Paul, and Mary. And luckily, they all sang together. Usually when three people are singing on stage, one of them's over here, one of them's over there, and one's in the middle. But they all sang into this little cluster of microphones in the middle of the stage. And I got one of the greatest pictures I ever got. I never sold it to anybody. But it's one of my favorite pictures. So is that what you uh, based your decision on, on, of all the thousands of photos of putting the ones in the book? Are they your favorites? Are they particular memories, the best photos of those bands? What, what was your deciding factor when you chose the photos? All of the above. Okay. I mean, there are, there are some. I've done three tours with the Rolling Stones and two tours with Keith Richards where I was out on the road with them. So I've got maybe 10,000 pictures of them. How do you decide what you use. We ended up with like, I think there are five or six pictures of stones in the book, but they're all, they're my favorites. You know, they're the best ones that I took. Well, I think they're the best ones that I took, but then there's some that are just good pictures or what I think are good pictures. <laughs> I think you're probably in a good position to judge that at this yes. point. Well, I, I have, I have fights with people all the time. Like, why'd you use that one? Why'd you use this one? <laughs> and I, I have to explain that, even though you might have never heard of this person, one of one of the people that I photographed that was one of my favorite people to photograph of all time, there's a full page picture of her in the book. Is somebody? Now let's see. Let's see how much you know about pop music. Her name is Rhiannon Giddens. Have you ever heard no. of her? I don't think so. She uh, she's one of the most amazing musicians I've ever photographed, and. She was, she's an actress. She was on a TV show called Nashville for a couple of years. She just wrote an opera that just cool. debuted in North, North Carolina. She used to be the lead singer of a band called the Carolina Chocolate Drops, which was a three-piece band that did songs that were all over 100 years old. She plays fiddle. She plays... A bunch of different a banjo, and she sings great. And it was a it was a dream to photograph her. But and mo most people are going to look at the book and say, "Who's that?" But I don't. But care. now they want to go look her up. They'll be like, well, "Who is this lady?" <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. So, who is your audience for this book? Are you are you like expecting it to be people who are into photography for photography's sake, who are into music, who are into both of those things that just happen to overlap? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all all of the above. It's my life's work, and you know, it's I I hope people will be interested in it. Uh, so far, they have been. Uh, photographers really like it because I'm showing 
photography. Music people like it because they, they'll find a band that they like on page 47 or page 150, depending on what kind of music they like. Is there any black and white or is it all color? Half and half. Okay. When I started out, every 10 rolls that I shot, nine were black and white, one was color. And it slowly switched in the 80s and became, for every 10 rolls I shot, nine were color and one was black and white. And now that it's digital, everything's in color. And if somebody wants a black and white, they convert it in Photoshop. Yes. So there's no such thing as black and white or color anymore. Yeah. I used to take as much pride in going in the dark room and developing film and making prints and you know doing that kind of stuff as I did in shooting the pictures. So we could ask you like a bazillion questions still, but what is like one memory that stands out to you of all this time. Yikes. That's a tough tough one. The first one that comes to mind. (laughs) Well, one one that everybody gravitates to is there's a picture right near the front of the book of the Beastie Boys. And they were, they had just gotten really big. They were on a tour and the tour was sponsored by Budweiser and Budweiser. The executives went and saw them play and decided they weren't the right image for the Beastie Boys, so they fired them. So I got a call from their publicist, and he said, I got a great idea. Let's audition new beers to sponsor the tour. So I went to the venue before soundcheck, and we sent a runner out to the corner liquor store with $50 and said, just buy one each of every six-pack of beer that you could find that's not Budweiser. <laughs> and he brought them all back and we put them on a table and the Beastie Boys came out and I said, okay, you guys just do your thing. I'm going to take pictures. And they immediately started opening, shaking up the beers and opening them and spraying them at each other, at me, at my equipment, at everything in sight. And it's a really great picture. Oh, I love that. So now I de- I really do want to get this book and check it out because that sounds hilarious and there's sounds like there's a, a lot of amazing things in that book. If people want to get the book or see what you're up to, where can they do that? Well, the, the best place I think is Amazon. Okay. They're, as of today, they're shipping them on September 6th. Okay. Which is, it should you know. Be right around when this comes out. I think they're the biggest bookseller around. You can go to trope.com, which is the publisher, and they probably have other links. I mean, hopefully it's in indie bookstores because I like indie bookstores. And if not, go to your local indie and ask for it and ask them to order it. There you go. There you go. Exactly. You're good at this. I It's, it's, it's what I do, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to us, Paul. We really could talk to you forever. Unfortunately, we have other people we have to go interview. So thank you so much for being here. And everyone go check out The Moment of Truth because you're bound to find at least one photograph in there of somebody that you recognize. Hopefully more than one. Many. <laughs> Hopefully at least a couple. 